KU. Hi, hi. Okay, first off, I gotta make it clear that I do not want to be the only one talking in this room. So I want every single person to be interactive with me. I'm not a television, I'm not a radio. You are here with me breathing and, you know, I'm the only one standing, but I want you guys to be really active with me. Are you awake? Have you guys been like pulling up like all-nighters? Studying so hard? Nah, right? None of you, none of you look like you did. Okay. (laughs) So I just need you to be very interactive with me and it's okay to Open up your mouth and say something in the middle of my preaching. I don't mind that. I welcome that, okay? So make sure to do that. Uh, my name is Myung-hwa. Myung-hwa Choi. I'm one of the pastors from New Philadelphia Church. I'm sure some of you have seen me at New Philly. And then Caitlin that I just met, she said she listened to one of my podcasts. What an honor. So some of you might have heard of me, seen me before, maybe first time. It's good to meet you all. Uh, just to give you a... Brief, brief background. I grew up, uh, I was born and raised up in Busan. It's a city in the south in Korea. And, um, I'm gonna share more about myself along, along the preaching. So, but I wanna share with you that today is a historic day for me. Mm, you wanna know why? Okay, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have the picture ready, okay? Okay. So, this is a historic day, okay? It's because I was on this very campus, KU, Korea de Hakkyo, on August 28, 2003, about 10 years ago. Da-da-da, here comes the picture. Come on, man. Okay, it's coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so do you see the person in the middle, the tiny dot? Um, that is me. That's me oh 10 years ago. Uh, I was about, I guess, 16 17, I was in high school. The reason is, uh, I, like I said, I lived in Busan. I came all the way to Seoul, traveled six plus hours just to visit this campus. So KU, needless to say, was my dream school. Korea Dehakyo was the biggest dream of my life. I know it sounds lame because you guys are here. But these pictures were glued on my desk for two years of my high school. I know, nerd alert, okay? But I was a cool, cool nerd, okay? <laughs> and I um, visited every single building of this campus, and I ate at every single cafeteria on campus wow. when I visited, and I bought a bunch of your badge, you know, the, the badge that looks like a, um, like a, what is it, shield? Yeah, I bought a bunch of them, and I wore them as a high schooler, as if I'm a Koryode student. And um, I, red was my color, obviously, and in my dictionary, it's always been, it will always be, Goyeonjeon. Yeah, I know. And that is the right way to say it. Who says Yeonggojeon? Is this recorded? Cut it out. Okay. <laughs> but 10 years ago, when I was this young, um, who would have known, I myself included, that I will come to this campus that I fell in love with to preach the word of God to a bunch of foreign students. What you need to know is 10 years ago when I was that young, I didn't, I never heard of Jesus before. That's when I never heard the gospel before. That's never, that's when I never stepped my foot into a church before. And also that's when I didn't speak a single word of English before. I understood a little bit. I could do comprehension, whatever, but then I was not able to speak, not any close to this, you know, hello, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too and walk away, you know what I'm saying? So that was my English level, and who knew that God would take me back to this campus to preach to all of you from all over the world, you know? God is so much bigger than what we see in this room. And, you know, who knows? Maybe God knew when I was that young visiting this campus. She doesn't know, but in 10 years, she's going to come here and speak to international students, you know? So I'm just saying that it could be possible that this work was ready 10 years ago. It was baking in the oven 10 years ago, or even before, before that time. And maybe it could be possible that each and every single one of you will come to this room on this very day to listen to this word. In this stormy and rainy day, who would have thought that, man, maybe some of you didn't want to come, maybe some of you, you were dragged here, some of you just happened to be here, I don't know. Maybe you fought your way through here, but, you know, maybe God had worked out everything for you to be here tonight, you know? And I'm really excited to preach this word because I know that God has a purpose for you here tonight. Amen? Amen. 
So just to uh, share more about myself, I was born and raised in Busan, like I said, and then 2005, I became a freshman at Yuha, not KU, so I couldn't make it to KU, okay? Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Some of you were like, oh. <laughs> I went to Yuha, uh, long story, but then something happened right before the college apl- application process started, and I ended up not writing, not applying at all, and instead I chose Yuha, and then that was uh, God's plan behind it, because at Yuha, the first month of my freshman year, that's my professor out of everyone. A professor invited me out to church, and that's the church that I'm pastoring at right now. And that's how I got saved. And my college roommate at Yuha, she's the one that led me to Christ. So all these things happened at Yuha campus. So God had a definitely plan why he didn't let me go to KU, my dream school, and, you know, ended up leaving me in that uh, sea of female, um, you know, estrogen and <laughs> but I'm just saying God definitely had a plan and then uh, a few years later year 2009 I became a pastor in New Philadelphia and then uh, this is my fifth year pastoring and working for my church and I never never ever imagined that uh, my church will have a campus ministry to begin with and also that this campus ministry will have a church I mean campus plants at Korea that you know, so that I will come and speak here. So you guys are here with me at a very special moment in my life. And then you can, yeah, thank you for taking down the picture. Yeah, I don't want to look at it anymore. All right, so um, I tonight I want to talk about something that many of you could probably relate to. How many of you here are separated from your family? Physically, like location-wise. Most of you, right? Myself included, my parents, my family are in Busan, and I've been separated uh, from them for about nine years now because I moved to Seoul to go to college and all that. So for about nine years, I've been separated. I go visit them, and I see them here and there, holidays or whatnot. But how many of you know that separation could be somewhat difficult when it gets long, when you feel homesick, when you really miss them. I mean, thank God for technology. You have Skype now. You have Google Ch- Google Hangout now. All this stuff is helpful, but nothing compares to seeing the person in person, giving them fat hugs, you know, eating your mom's cooking. There's nothing that beats that. You know what I'm saying? So separation, I believe, is something that all the international students could relate to. Oh, I'm kind of in that situation. And I was, I was watching a news um, about Korea's separation. You guys know that South and North Korea has been separated, right? And it's still separated. It's the only nation that's been separa- that, that is currently separated. They've been separated for about 60 years. That means when the land was separated, if you were seven years old, now you are about 70 years old, like 67 or 68, something like that, you know? So that's a, that's a really, really long time. Like you in 60 years, how old are you? Like 81, 82? Could you even imagine yourself as a grandma, grandpa like that, you know? So I, I was watching the news and there was supposed to be this uh, reunion uh, organized by North and South government, but then what happened was North ended up just dropping it on them three days before the event. So all these grandmas and grandpas that are in their 80s that don't have any hope to see them ever again are just left hanging. It's just canceled, and there's no explanation about it. You know, and as I was praying for those families that's been separated, When they were separated, I was 10, a little boy, and now I'm 70. All I want to do is I just want to see my sibling one more time before I die. That's all I want. I just want to see my mom just one more time before she passes away, you know. And I was just praying for them, and I just felt God's heart resounding in my heart. I just felt like I heard God's voice saying, Myungwa, that is not okay. That is not okay. And I just felt God's anger and resentment against it. And I, and I also felt like I was saying, I, that's not okay. And my mom, I, that pain is familiar to me. He said, I'm familiar with that pain of separation. Being separated from the ones that I love. Being separated from the ones that I desire so badly. I am very familiar with that pain. 
And that's what began the journey of even writing down these things. And this wasn't just put together overnight. And I really feel like this is the message for you to hear tonight. What he meant by it, I'm going to just break it down for you guys. Some of you grew up in church, some of you didn't, but then I'm, I'm sure everyone will be able to relate to this. Do you know that you are created for love and created for intimacy? You're not created for your function or your work. You know, have you ever seen a family that decides to make a baby because we need some, someone to work the farm? Oh, my family didn't. You know, it's just a result of love between the parents. It's not to provide more human resources. It's not because we need more hands to work, you know, take care of our hands and whatever. I don't know. But it's not because for you to do more house chores in your home. People have children for the sake of love and intimacy, right? To build a family of love. And in God's family, God's household, when he created people, it was the same thing. He created you for love and for intimacy. Everyone say love Love. and intimacy. intimacy. Very good. And you were also made and created for his pleasure. For him to enjoy you and also for you to enjoy him. And anything that you do, you could enjoy in his presence. And that is a good thing. But then, think about this concept, okay? So people try to define what sin is. You know, what is sin? It's disobedience. It's pride. It's this evil, whatever. But I think this is quite accurate definition of sin. I think what sin is, it's anything that you can't do with him. So in his pleasure, something that you, for you to do it, you got to step out of God's blessing. You got to step out of God's pleasure and you got to do it behind his back. You know, have you ever like done stuff like this? Like, God, I'm going to watch a porn. Do you want to join me? That's stupid, right? I know it's a stupid example. (laughs) Sorry. God, I'm going to lie to my parents to get some more money and allowance. God, I'm so excited. You know, have you ever talked to him like that? Whenever you sin, it's, it's like you are stepping out of the boundary of God's blessing. And for you to do anything sinful, it's always behind his back. Are you guys with me? Right? It's, it's always that way. So we are designed to be complete in our happiness, in our pleasure, in our delight when we are with him. That's your design. So when you're stepping out of it for you to like sin and do other stuff, you're stepping out of your pleasure. You're stepping out of your happiness, you know? So I need you to have the framework in your mind. Are you, are you guys with me right now? And if you even look at how Adam and Eve, how they sinned, they ate the fruit not in front of God. God, I'm just going to take this. He, they didn't do that. They did it behind God's back. And then they immediately felt shame. And they hid themselves in a bush. You know. And when God said, where are you? They said, we are afraid and we are ashamed to go before you. You know, That immediately shattered the intimacy, the common, the mutual pleasure and delight that was there in the Garden of Eden. And that was completely taken away because they stepped outside of their pleasure and decided to, to ha- decided to have pleasure without him. God, we're just going to have our little own, own little party and you're not invited. You can't be there because we're going to do something behind your back. So that created, see, the emotional separation happened first. Oh, feeling ashamed. I don't know if God finds out. And then it eventually led to a physical separation. What happened to Adam and Eve? They got kicked out of Garden of Eden, right? They were physically, literally separated from God. And from there on, God's agony started. His lovesickness started. Man, these, these men and women that I love so much, that I long for my children, they are now not able to be with me. And I always had this question, but why couldn't God just keep them there? You know, that will solve every problem. Why couldn't he just keep them there? It's just eating one fruit. Come on, God. You know, what's such a big deal? 
And I always had this question, and maybe some of you feel this way as well. But God and sin, and you got to imagine this big, huge magnet with me, okay? God and sin are like the both ends of the magnet. So no matter how hard you try to put the, what do you call it? S and N, right? South and North? Is it South and North? Oh, I sound very dumb. Okay, <laughs> South and North, you try your best to put them together and make contact. You can't. If the magnet is small and tiny, you can. But if it's like a huge one, there's no way for you to put South and North ends together. Are you with me? Did you study science, right? Magnet. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I sound so dumb right now. Okay, <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> South and North do a track. My bad. Okay, that's how you guys are all confused. <laughs> if you try to put South and South together, it pushes away, right? Right? Now you're with me. Okay, and then North and North, what happens? They push away no matter how hard you try, right? Oh, man, I'm sweating. <laughs> Embarrassing. Woo! Woohoo! I know. You guys are good school, by the way. <laughs> this is not what I studied, okay? And like the magnet, they can never just be put together. And, uh, you know, God is holy. You guys heard this so many times, right? God is holy. But do you know what holy means? Holy means set apart. It means he's different. It means he's spotless. The basic definition is that he's set apart from anything else. So God cannot violate himself God cannot violate who he is. You know, God says, I am who I say I am. And he cannot be wish-washy saying, I am today holy, tomorrow I may be not. He can't do that. You know, he is who he says he is. He cannot change his nature because he is an unchanging God. Are you guys with me? So by definition, by his nature, he cannot bend his holiness. He cannot be, cannot make himself unholy to come to unholy people. So there is that huge gap, separation, that pushing away effect of a magnet, and you guys are on, the, on one end, God is on the other hand. And it's a constant pushing away, and there's no way for the reconciliation to happen. It's like this. For me to like put it into an image, you're standing on one end of a Niagara Fall. I've never been there. Have you guys been there before? Niagara Fall? I heard it's pretty... Pretty crazy, right? I want to go there one day. Anyway, it's like you are standing on the Canadian end of Niagara Fall, and then you got to jump off to the American end of the Niagara Fall, right? Is that pretty far? Right? It's very far, right? Can you at least see the other end? You can see it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and like the rainbows, right? In the pictures, there's always rainbows. <laughs> Oh, snap. Great. Anyway, so you're standing on one cliff, and then you got to jump to the other end, okay? Is there anyone, unless you're a Superman or something, there's no one that could do that, right? <laughs> so for you to say, you know what? You should, just, Aaron, you should just try harder. You know, you just got to take a bigger leap, and then you'll make it. Just try harder. Jump harder, and then, then let me just push you over. Then I'm just going to kill her, right? It's not possible to go from one end to the other end. It's just simply not possible. You cannot go to the other side unless somebody carries you to the other side. Are you with me? But that's, so, that's like how we approach getting back to God. Like, when we try to be right with God, we try to jump and go over that gap and the separation with our own might, with our own strength, with our own strategies. You know, if you are trying to go back to God by our own works, by doing, trying harder, by doing better, by living right, Having, uh, sinning less. Oh, that's what everybody tries to do, man. You know, first thing that you try to do when I try to get back with God is I'm going to sin less. You know, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to drink less. Maybe that will impress God. You know, often we think that God is so obsessed with the morality. 
morality. That's a huge issue, especially if you grew up in church. People that grew up in church have stronger mindset about God is all about what's right and what's wrong. He's all about do's and don'ts. If you open up the Bible, do this, don't do that. It's full of it, you know. So they their understanding of God is when I try to like go back to Him, I gotta cross that gap. I gotta close that separation with my own strength and by what I do. He Christianity. So many people think, man. Even my parents. My parents are non-believers, and they don't want to go to church because if I go to church, they're gonna tell me to stop drinking. They're gonna tell me to stop smoking. So I can't do that. Therefore, I'm not going to church. Now, in their minds, it's all about do's and don'ts. You gotta go tithing. You gotta go attending church. You gotta serve the church. You gotta serve on the choir. All these requirements and do's and don'ts. So they they just don't want to deal with it, and. Without really realizing, so many of us have that kind of understanding of God. God, image of God is like sitting on His throne and thinking, looking at you, shaking His head. Uh, uh, uh. You did it again. Uh, uh. You did it again. Mm, you. <laughs> you know, He's angry. He's upset. He's obsessed with how many wrong things that you did throughout the day. Dang, she skipped her quiet time again. Man, no hope. You know, in our mindset, like so, when you are doing pretty well, you feel like God is closer to you, and you feel a little bit of God's pleasure over you. And then when you are not doing well, man, midterms, man, I didn't even look at my Bible for like two and two weeks straight. I didn't go to church. I slept through. Then you feel like, man, I feel so far away from God. You know, He must be pretty upset. Man, I gotta do mad repentance to get back to Him. All that mentality, Niagara Fall. You're trying to walk on air. You know what? That's road to death. You're you're gonna kill yourself by trying so hard. Well, let me tell you this. He isn't as into laws and rules as you think he is. He really isn't. He's not a control freak. He's not all about rules and do's and don'ts. Let me prove it. What he really wants is you. He wants you. Like I said, before the separation, he had you. You were his, and he was yours. The intimacy, the closeness—that's what he wants back. Not so much of the holiness itself. Holiness is a tool for me to, you know, remember the magnet again. You know, for me to hold you back, for God to have you back, He has to take care of that unholiness first. Because you, unless you become holy, because God cannot be. Unholy, right? Then what does he have to do? He's gonna deal with your sin. He's gonna make you holy and then bring you back. There's no reconciliation unless he deals with your sin first. That's why he's crazy about your holiness. Not because he's all about do's and don'ts and rules and laws. It's because that's the only way to have you back. What he wants is you, not so much your holiness. Am I making sense? So by trying harder, you will never get there. It's impossible for you to leap off, and you're gonna kill yourself. Okay, you will never get there. But holiness, get this, it has to be received. You are never meant to earn it, because I told you, it's just not possible. You cannot cleanse yourself. Have you seen little kids when they eat? You know, in Korea especially, you know, those sticky Korean rice is a lot more stickier than other like uh, other different types of rice. I love that sticky rice, though. So sticky rice, kids always eat with their hands, you know. And I know, I was eating with this baby girl. Carrie is so cute. Anyway, she's one of the babies down in Busan, and she was eating her rice and enjoying it so much that it was all over her face. And then she, you know, now tries to clean herself. She's a girl, you know. So like, she's trying to clean herself while her hands are covered with. Uh, poppers like like the rice, you know, sticky rice is all over, and she's trying to like clean her face, and it's just getting dirtier and dirtier and stickier and stickier, and the mommy has to do more work to clean her up. Sometimes we do that, with our hands are dirty, but without realizing, we're trying to clean ourselves and try to look presentable. What you're doing is you're you're making it worse. You're getting pop all over your face, people. You know, so you can't wash yourself because you already are dirty. Dirty hands cannot cleanse you, right? There's no point. Holiness has to be received. 
And you are not going to try to make it right. You know, people always say, I'm trying to make it right with God. I'm trying to make it right. No, you have to be made right to get back to him. You have to be made right. So someone else has to come in the picture and help you or else you are forever at the end of the Niagara, Niagara Fall. And you're never going to make it. And here's the good news. Good news is that it's so simple. I've been saying this all night. He wanted you back. That's the good news. That's just simple good news that he wanted you back. And how many of you know that he that I'm talking about is God? And how many of you know that God does what he wants to do? Nobody tells God what to do. (laughs) You know, he does whatever he wants to do. And God wanted you back. Who's going to say no to God's desire to have you back? So that's the good news that he wanted you back in his house. But you're going to understand this. It's not just you wearing nice clothes, you looking presentable, you studying AKU, presentable yourself. I'm talking about you in a spiritual sense before God intervenes. What you are is you are covered with gunk, like the dirtiest thing you could ever imagine. Just try to imagine with me. Have you guys watched the Let Me, the John Valjean movie? I can never say his name right. Let Me Zerabo. How do you say it? Oh, yeah, that movie. (laughs) Can you say that one more time? Yeah, that movie. Did you guys watch that? And then there is this scene where this uh, greedy man goes into, like, the sewage of the city, and then he tries to find the dead bodies, and he takes off, like, the rings of the people. Did you guys watch that movie? Anyways, it's really dirty. There's like a scene where the actors are covered with like a sewage water. It's like black. It's pretty much pool water, okay? And he's swimming through the pool water to find the rings off of dead bodies and all that stuff, you know? It's pretty filthy. But imagine yourself swimming in the very thing, okay? And let's imagine that that's like sin, like a symbol of sin. But this, imagining this is really pointless. Let me be frank. Because... Theologians say, and also it's very true, you know, we feel emotion because God put emotions in our hearts. Do you feel love? You feel joy? You know, sometimes you feel sadness. You feel emotions, right? But what we feel is tiny little bit of God's emotions, emotion of joy, emotion of sadness, you know. But then imagine God has God-sized emotions, right? Imagine God-sized joy, like his joy, like what we feel in our heart, like look back to your happiest day of your life. How much joy did you feel? That's like pretty much like a tiny little bit of not even, not even, you know, compared to what God has in his heart, a God-sized joy that is in his heart. Are you guys with me? Like when he feels angry, oh no, it's game over. Like his anger, like the Go back to the angriest moment of your life. Maybe you broke something. Maybe you hit somebody. The angriest moment of your life. But that amount of anger that you could look back, that's like a tiny little bit of God's anger against sin. So you cannot, we cannot possibly imagine how much God hates this thing called sin. That, that is the essence of what separated us and him. You know, so we try our best, and I try to describe it. So all I could use, like, as examples is, like, gunk, like, poo water, uh, cockroaches, like, stuff that I hate very passionately. But it doesn't even describe, like, a little tiny bit of God's anger against sin. Are you guys with me? So God-sized hatred and wrath against sin. And we are covered in it. To be honest... I don't know if I would give Eunice a hug if she's just covered with like cockroaches. I'm sorry, Eunice. <laughs> really don't think I can. Like, imagine someone that you love, but the person is just covered with things that you cannot stand. Like, horrible. I abhor this, despise this, and I cannot even go near you type of thing. Would you? Would you go near them? You know, we think about us. Us, his children, were swimming in the ocean of sin. 
rebelling against his will, doing everything terrible, possible you could imagine. And he was just looking at us, man, this separation, the anger, the sadness that he must have felt in his heart. We cannot even go closer to that. But then, this, this, to explain this better, I, I wrote down this example, so just follow with me. Let's say I had a diamond ring. I don't have one. She has one. Uh, so show us your one. Come on. Lift it up. The rock. The rock that shines. <laughs> Just imagine that there's one on my finger, okay? <laughs> it's on the way, okay? So let's say I have one diamond ring. Man, it's like a treasure of my heart. You know, it's the engagement ring that I got. Oh, I love this thing. Let's say, okay? This is my treasure. But then I, let's say I dropped it into the, like a poo tank, Alright, girls, think with me. Okay, this is your engagement ring that you love, okay? And you dropped it in, into the poo tank. Would you, would you reach down and then pull it out? How many of you will do that? You have to do it yourself. You do that? Alright. Okay, some of you will give it up. Okay, fine. Let's say you can't reach down. It's too deep. You gotta go in there. And you gotta go in there, a whole, your, a whole body. How many of you will do that? Come on, be honest. Don't, no shame, no shame. Really? Really? Okay, there's one person. <laughs> wow, you guys give up pretty quickly. Okay. I had different levels, okay? I had a level where you have to drink the pool water to find it. <laughs> None of you will go there, I guess, okay? Okay, okay, that's good. Okay. You know what? Like, But that just tells you, this, this tells me one thing, okay? That his love for us was bigger than his hatred against sin. He hated sin so much to the point where we can't even imagine. But his love for us was bigger than that. And that's why he decided to reach down, dive in. I don't know if he would have. He would? You think so? <laughs> I'm not sure. But, you know, he actually, you know, it talks about in the Bible, he took the cup of God's wrath. That's what Jesus had to drink. So you're right. Theologically speaking, if that's like the worst thing that could happen to you, and Jesus took that cup and drank the cup of wrath, so he probably would have done this. Worst thing you could possibly imagine. A lot worse than the poor water. Poor tank. Poor ocean. He would have done it because his love was so much bigger than the hatred. Just let it sit, let it sit in your heart. Just imagine that. That's crazy to me. That's how much he wanted you back. That's how much he wanted you so badly back. And also another thing that tells me about, like, you know, God trying to close the gap and get rid of that separation. What will you sacrifice will tell me how much you love a person or a thing. Like the diamond ring, you know. How much would you pay monetary value? Or how far would you go? How much would you sacrifice? It will totally depend on how badly you want someone or something back. Right? It's a similar concept, but get this. Here is the crazy part. God decides to sacrifice what is dearest to him. What's dearest to God? What has more value than this entire world? His only son. One and only son, Jesus Christ. It was the dearest thing to him, most significant thing that he had. And he decided to let him go through the thing that he hates the most. Do you see these two things coming together? Like, it's one thing to go through it yourself, you know? Some parents say, you know, for my child, I will do anything and everything. 
You know, some parents, if you ask moms because of their motherly love, I mean, for my child, I, I will die. For my child, I will sacrifice anything. For my child, I know that people say that, but it's another thing to give your child to go through the things that are horrible, things that you hate the most. And for him to be there, having all the power to stop it, but just having to watch the whole thing. Am I making sense? He not only just sent his son to the world. To us, to world, the world doesn't sound so bad. But then the world to God's eyes is just the ocean of, again, ocean of bad things, ocean of sin. And it's the one thing that he hates the most and most passionately. And he decides, my dearest son, I will send him to the place that I absolutely cannot stand, an ocean of sin. And I'll throw him in there. And I will allow him to carry the sin of the entire world. The entire world. I'll put it upon himself. Upon my son. And I will let him die on the cross. And all along, bear with me here. All along, he has the ability and the power to stop him. He could totally say, you know what? This is too much. I can't, I can't watch my son die like that. He could have just, you know what? Just forget it. Let me just get my son back. Just, be, be, just, just come back up to heaven. He could have totally done that. On Jesus' end, guys, he could have totally stopped and just disobeyed. God, this is too much. Father, I can't do this anymore. And he totally had the power to do so. But both the father and the son decides to go through the death on the cross. This is nonsense to me. And let me tell you why God had to send his son, okay? When I, when I really understood this in my head, it really like set me free. It like, wow. It was pretty crazy. Because... Think about this. Why do we live under the sin? I talked about Adam at the beginning, right? KU students are smart, so I could totally talk about this, right? <laughs> Come on, you, you, you understand this. At the beginning, the reason why we are living under the sin, like a curse of sin, everyone is sinner. The reason is Adam at the beginning messed up. Adam and Eve, right? And everyone that comes out of them, which means everyone that is born from Adam, which is Everybody, right? Entire mankind, they, we all came through Adam and Eve, right? So we are all under the curse of sin. You with me? Then to take care of the entire mankind, right? Someone has to take everybody's sin, you know? But then even if I would have volunteered, God, I would do it. God would say, no, you're not good enough. Girl, you got to die for your own sin, you know, you, can't, you cannot die for anyone else. If you die, you die for your sin, which is the wage of sin is death. So I am destined to die anyways. So you don't die for anyone else. If you die, you die. And you die for yourself and you go to hell, right? So no one in this entire world is good enough to take the sin of the entire world. You, you guys can do the math right here, right? But then, so who was needed? We needed someone that... Everything came out of. And the Bible says, John 1, 3, all things were made through him, him referring to Jesus. Jesus was at the creation, and the Bible makes it clear that all things were made through Jesus. And the Bible calls him second Adam. What does that mean? First Adam was the Adam that messed up. He's the one that got us into slavery to sin. And the second Adam was sent by God, which is Jesus. And because everyone and everything came through that creator God, when he died on the cross, everything that was born through him was redeemed and brought back to life. You guys with me? So it had to be the creator himself. It had to be Jesus Christ and no one else. No Superman, no Spider-Man. No one could do that. No superhero could do that. It had to be the creator God himself 
from whom we all came out of. And also one more thing. He, the ransom on the cross, had to be someone that is beyond time. Because we got to take care of the sin in the past. We got to take care of sin that we are committing right now. We got to take care of the sin that's going to come in the future. So if somebody, some individual took the sin of the world, what about the sins that are going to come in the future? It had to be someone that was not bound by time. There's only one person that could meet that qualification. Guess who? Jesus Christ. He's not bound by time. He's God himself. So it had to be Jesus. And God knew that. And knowing everything, he sent his son. Let's talk about cross a little bit. You know, when we talk about Jesus on the cross, we always think of that movie, Passion of Christ. How many of you watched that movie, Passion of Christ? Oh, I'm not the only one that didn't. Oh, you're with me? I never watched it. It's too much. It's too, too much blood. I can't watch it. But I know what Jesus had to go through physically. And so many people talk about, you know, the, the thorned, scarred brow. And we talk about his hands and feet, crucified, the nails. I mean, obviously that was painful. And then the suffocation they had to go through eventually led him to, you know, the, the, the piercing, all that stuff, the physical pain. I am not trying to underestimate what he had to go through. He went through some real physical pain. He bled his blood that washed away our sin. But also, get this, this is, I'm driving it home right now. This is what Jesus had to go through to take away the Niagara Falls separation. Jesus went through on the cross the separation from the Father. Trinity. Do you guys know about Trinity? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. From the beginning, before creation, they, are, they were one. They're three in one. The Trinity. They have perfect intimacy. They have perfect oneness. And they had never been separated from one another except for this moment. When the Son had to come to the earth... And still they were connected. However, on the cross, when Jesus died, you know what he said? What did, I, what did he say? Why have you, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he gave up his breath. And then imagine that moment, the son in Trinity, okay? For eternity long, he was never separated from the father was not only separated like this, but went to the, the, the end of the extreme, okay? Completely separated from the Father to the point where the Son will cry out, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus went through such agony of separation and loneliness. Could you imagine without God, like 100% without him? You know, without any of his grace, any of light, any of his life, his breath, his closeness, warmth, nothing. Straight up, place like hell. Complete separation. He went through that and then he was raised back to life. Guess why he did that? So that he took the separation so that you and him will never be separated ever again. He took it so that you and him could always be together forever. The ultimate separation happened so that Satan could never demand it on you. Jesus paid for the separation. Jesus paid for the loneliness so that I don't have to ever go through that again. That's what happened on the cross. And this is the cool thing. Now, because of the blood that he shed, because of the separation that he took away, the Niagara Fall closed. It's like Canada, America together now. Now you like freely walk back and forth and the bridge that connects it is the cross of Jesus Christ. Through him, now you have access to him. Through him, he can freely love on you. And there's no separation between you whatsoever. When Jesus died in the temple, which is a symbol of God's house, there was a huge curtain that I cannot even describe how big it is, okay? It's a huge, huge, huge curtain. It was, it, it, it tore, 
torn. No, torn. It was torn in half. <laughs> it was torn in half and it opened up. But then before that moment, no one had access to the Holy of Holies where God's presence was there. No one could go in there. It was, no, if you go in there, you're going to die. Because an unholy person walking into the holy place, that means you're suicidal, right? But then the, the curtain was torn in half and it opened up. And the earthquake happened. You know what that symbolizes? The separation is completely gone. Now you have access to him. He has access to you. Holy and holy separation is totally, completely taken away. Now you and him can be one again. That's the historical meaning of the cross. That's what happened, guys. Crazy. Wait. Almost there. So my question for you is really simple. But everyone's with me with the separation being there. Now it's gone, right? My question for you tonight is very simple. Here's a question. Now what are you going to do with it? Okay, the separation is gone. The end are met. There's a bridge. You have access. Now what are you going to do with it? And now you understand how much you had cost for God to create that bridge for you. How much you had to sacrifice. How much you had to bear with what was unbearable. Now, okay, now I see it. What am I going to do with it? That's my question for you today. I'm going to die and then I will walk over the bridge and go to heaven. Is that it? You know, just for that, Jesus had to go through so, that much. Why, what about now? Well, you know, before you die, what are you going to do with that bridge that's been created? What are you going to do with being and sitting at my father's house? Now you're not a stranger. You're not a guest. You are a son in the house of God. And now it became your home. What are you going to do with that? So I'm going to just give you really brief points that I want to really point out. When I realized that there was no separation between me and God, these are the things that happened to me. Number one is intimacy. We, I talked about we are created for intimacy and love. And now you can enjoy the fullness of it. Guys, this is so you cannot miss out on this, okay? Like, imagine those North Korean, South Korean grandmas and grandpas, when they re reunite, what do you think they're going to do first? Hug. Good answer. What else? They will cry. Oh, okay, answer. <laughs> what are they going to do? They will rejoice and they will hit each other? What? <laughs> oh, yeah, they do this. I go, I go. They do that. Totally do that. When they reunite, this is what I know they're going to do. They're going to hug forever. They're going to hug like thousands of times. You know, they're going to hug and hug. Like fat hug, hot hug, sweaty hug, whatever. Crying hugs. They're going to hug each other forever. You know? And what else are they going to do? I know they're going to talk all night. They're going to talk. You know, we've been separated for 60 years. We've got a lot to talk about. Let's catch up. Talk, hug. Spend time together, eat together, do just everything together, their closeness, you know, you know, holding hands together and all that stuff. You know, they're going to do that. What about finally you are reunited with your God, the Father, Daddy is in front of you, you have access to him. Why are you treating him like a parent's guest that's in the house? You know, don't you guys do that when like a parent's friend comes over? You know, they are. And then you go into your room, and then you never come out. And you're going to say, oh, and then you'll go back in. Why are you treating him like that? You know, you guys are living in the house. My daddy, I'm daddy's girl or daddy's boy, whatever. Why are you letting him just walk around and there's no interaction? How could you apply this to your life? Prayer. Don't think that when you pray, you got to come before him and kneel down and raise up both of your hands and start with the Lord's Prayer and Apostles' Creed. Excuse me, talk to your dad. Speak to him in freedom. When, you see, when he sees you, he doesn't see your sin, ugliness, all that gunk anymore. He sees the perfect image of the Son, Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm pleased with you. You are perfect in my sight. I'm so crazy about you, so talk to me. My son, my daughter, talk to me. I want to hear you. You know, talk to him. Prayer is just simply conversing with your daddy. 
That's where it starts. Jesus always started his prayer, my father in heaven. Father, my dad. Not holy God who's going to come to judge me. But daddy, intimate conversation is possible. And you know what's crazy about this as well? Because when he sees you, he sees the perfect image of his son. Nothing is more important than you. Okay, God paid everything that he could possibly pay to get you back. And now you are in the house. He will give you his utmost devotion and attention. When you go to God, he will never say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm too busy taking care of Iraq right now so I can talk to you. He will never say, I'm talking to the people in North Korea, so shut up for 30 minutes. He will never do that. He will always welcome you. He will always be like, what? What do you need to say to me? Oh, what are we going to talk about today? What are your requests? What's troubling your heart? He will always come to you and he will give you undivided attention. He will never deny you. You know, sometimes dads, when they're busy, they're busy. You know, dad, I want to talk to you about school and blah, blah, blah. And then dads are like, oh, okay, okay. Talk to your mom. You know, that's what they do a lot of times. But God, Father God, he does not do that to you. Mark my words, speaking from experience, he would never do that. It took him everything to get you back. He would talk to you, okay? And I cannot share this story. I know a friend, his name's Peter. He's a Caucasian pastor. And then he was at his church. He serves at a church down in Incheon. He was, he was leading communion. How many of you know communion is a holy moment, you know? Here's the bread, here's the wine, and drink it, blah, blah. Anyways, I'm not trained in that yet. But he's leading communion, the holy moment, you know, conservative church. People are coming out to, you know, whatever. And at that moment, his son, like two-year-old son, Caleb, he gets out of his mom's arms. He starts running at him. Daddy! Like that, whatever, making weird noise. And then he's just running to his dad. And what do you think Peter did? Daddy's busy doing communion. Get away, son. No. Right at that moment, he picked him up with such pleasure. He was like, well, this is my son. What can I do? And he just kept on going, holding his son in his arm. God will never tell you, I'm, doing, I'm taking care of some holy business right now, so I don't have no time for you. He'll never do that. He will just pick you up. Hey, this is what I'm doing. You want to join me? That's how his heart that's how his heart is. Amen? Amen? Number two thing. Get this. If you're taking notes, you're going to write this down. His house equals my house. His house is now your house. That means... So my home in Busan is my, my father and my mother's house, right? But I also have a spare key. I have the key, Right? And I go in whenever I want to go in. I don't call my mom and ask, can I go into the house right now? I never have to do that. I hope none of you have to do that, right? You have full access to everything in the house, except for like their wallets and stuff like that, right? But I'm talking about like a family stuff, like what's in the fridge, you know? You could take whatever you want to take. Do you ever call your mom or dad and ask if you could eat the yogurt in the fridge? No, you just eat it, right? Did you pay for that? Did you go shopping for that? No, your mom did. Your dad made money, your mom went shopping, but you eat it, right? That's how it works in the family. And same thing, you open up the fridge in the house of God, which is my home. I open up, I take what I need, and I eat it, I drink it, I enjoy it, and God finds pleasure in it. He loves providing for you. Do you guys know that? You're not a burden to him, okay? He's not stressed out, stressed out about your needs and your tuitions and whatever it is. He loves providing for you. And whatever you take, you enjoy it. God finds pleasure in it. When you are satisfied in him, he's happy. Oh, 잘 먹었어. Okay, eat more. I'm glad you ate that, you know? It was about to be expired. Good thing you ate it. <laughs> you know, that's what I did growing up all the time. The first thing I get home, like middle school, high school days, I drop off, you know, I take off my shoes. First thing, open up the fridge and check what's there. And then I sit down, turn on TV, and then eat everything. Anyone with me? Anyways, am I the only one? <laughs> that's what you do. And in God's house, same thing. You have access to everything that he owns. You know what that means? He owns joy. 
He owns peace. He owns wisdom. He has strength. He has gold and silver. All the gold and silver belongs to him. All the knees, everything that you need is stocked up, stacked up in the fridge. All you have to do is open it and take it. Dad, this is what I want. This is what I need. And you take it as yours. Amen? Stop acting like a guest, okay? When I go over to my friend's house, I can't do that. If I go over to Sarah's house and start eating everything, oh, she's not going to like me. <laughs> you know, she's shaking her head. She's not going to like that, you know? When I'm at someone else's house, I can't do that. But when it's your house, you can do it. God's house is my house. I have the key. I have access to the fridge. Anything and everything I need, I take it from my daddy, and he loves that. Amen? Three, really quick. I want to emphasize this. It's active and dynamic walk with God. Active and dynamic walk with God. I find it very interesting. John chapter 15 is all about Jesus telling us, abide in me as I abide in you. Okay. It's like he's saying, I am abiding in you. So, it's a command, you abide in me as well. You guys get that, right? But then I thought, God, you and I are one. And if you abide in me, isn't it all good? But he's saying, I abide in you, but I need you to abide in me as well. He's asking for mutual abiding in each other. Are you lost? Think of it like this way, marriage. Marriage, if you are married... In God's covenant, you are one. Is that clear? Two become one, and then they become one, right? But does that mean that husband only loves the wife, and wife never responds back to him? Is that going to work? Is that marriage going to be happy, intimate? No, not at all. They are one technically, but it has to be mutually. They got to love on each other like con- constantly, you know? So it's almost saying... Wife, I'm going to love on you, but you got to also respond to that love. So Jesus is saying, I abide in you already because that separation and gap is gone. So I abide in you. I am in you, but you also got to make effort to abide in me. It's a command. You got to abide in him. So many Christians, we think, yeah, God is in me. Jesus is in me. I believe in him. So I am saved. What? But do you abide in him? He may be abiding in you. He's with you and in you. But are you making any effort to love him, to praise him, to walk with him? Or are you just letting your, like a spouse in marriage relationship, he's constantly reaching out, but you are like running away or not responding. That marriage is not going to work. Let me guarantee it's not going to work. It's got to be mutual. So don't be just satisfied with knowing that he is my Lord and Savior. You know what it is? The sad reality is even the devil knows that Jesus is the Son of God. For you to say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, I mean, the devil knows that as well. Does that make him a believer? Oh, I I hope not. (laughs) He's not. You know, does that make Satan a believer? No. So for you to just know that Jesus is the Son of God, and that's not enough. You gotta walk with him. As he abides in you, you also need to abide in him. What does that mean? Like I said, conversation. You got to talk to him. Talk to him. Open up your heart to him. Don't treat him like he's just a quiet, silent guest that's just there at the corner of my room. But treat him like the most honored guest. Give him praise. Give him thanks. Spend time in prayer and praise. You know, open up your heart and let him in. Do things that Jesus states. You know, so, so many people in New Philly, we use this term Jesus state. We literally go to cafe and have a Jesus state as if he's sitting right there. Not like we're talking or anything. We're going to look crazy. But like, you know, reading our Bible, journaling, you know, writing one letter or something. You know, it's like called Jesus state. How sweet is it? And Jesus is there present with you. He's conversing with you. You know, he's pouring out his pleasure over you. You know what I'm saying? So, 
seek him, call unto him. All these Bible verses used to really confuse me because I thought, God, I thought you knew everything about me even before I tell you. That is true, but that's one thing. But it's another thing for me to open up to him and just pour out my heart at him, even though he knows everything before I say, but just for the sake of spending time with him, just for the sake of showing my love toward him, you know? And when you do that, active, dynamic walk with God, you will be able to notice that according to how you pray, God will start to move. The reason why you don't see how God moves is because probably you're not keeping track of what you're praying or you just never pray. It's, it's probably because there is some stagnancy on your end. He said, if you seek me, you will find me. But the reason why he's not found is because you are not seeking. He made it clear, if you seek me, I will be found by you, right? And Bible never lies, okay? So if you seek him, if you call unto him, he will hear and he will give you that dynamic walk with God. Every day, you will not be bored. It's going to be pretty exciting because you are having this relationship with God Almighty that runs the entire universe. He will take you to the places that you've never imagined going to. He will make you do things that you thought you were never able to do. Like he will open up the doors that you thought you were not qualified for. He will take you to craziest places. Maybe in 10 years, maybe you'll be teaching here. I don't know. God will take you to places that you never thought you would go to that's how exciting it is to walk with him once again i'm not trying to condemn any of you but mark my words it's good that you know that you are saved and you know jesus but it's another thing to really abide in him as he abides in you and just wake up to the reality even if you can see him physically he's there he's moving he's alive and tonight, I just want to spend short time to pray for some of you, hopefully all of you. I hope you respond to this. You know, so many Christians, we say, oh, I feel really distant from God. That's a very common thing to hear at church. I feel very far away from God. And I'm here to declare by what I share with you tonight that those are complete lies. You may feel like he's distant. You may feel like he has forgotten about you. You may feel like he's not speaking to you or he's upset at you. But all those things are lies based on what the Bible says. It says nothing is able to take away the love of Christ from you. The separation has been taken away so that you will always be connected to God. And right now you're closer to him than ever. That's the reality. doesn't even matter how you feel about it. I don't feel close to him at all. But then the reality is he's sitting right in front of you. He's speaking to you. He's knocking on your heart. That's the reality. So I want you guys to really shift by knowing this truth that I can never be far away from him, but I am always connected and close to him. I just want you to take this opportunity to, to receive prayers. So I just want everyone to close your eyes, but not fall asleep. If you're going to fall asleep, just don't close your eyes. <laughs> That's wisdom right there. Okay. I'm just going to open up an opportunity for you to receive prayer. Okay. And I believe that tonight will be a breakthrough in your relationship with God. And I really don't want any of you to miss out on this. Listen, you are bought at a really, really expensive high price. Okay, you are expensive, and God was willing to pay. He was willing to go through anything and everything to get you back. And now you are in the place. You are in his house. First of all, I want to just uh, invite, if there's anyone in this room, if you feel like you never received Christ, if you feel like you never understood the gospel in this way, if you feel like you, if you are uncertain, if you are even a believer or not, I want to invite you up to receive prayer. And we want to just walk you through. We want to just confirm that you are a follower with, of Christ. So if that's you, there's no judgment, there's no condemnation in this room. We are here to bless you, we're here to love you. 
Pastor Aaron here, pa- Eunice, Sam, Matt, Sarah, myself, Joel, everyone here, we are here to love you guys. We're simply here to bless you guys. So I don't want you to care about anyone that's around you. We want to love on you, okay? So if that's you, if you're really uncertain about your salvation, your faith in Jesus, if you feel like you never quite understood the gospel in this manner, I just want you to stand up and just come to the front and receive prayer. That's good. I guess everyone's saved. And also, there's one more thing. I want you, I want to invite you to a life that is active and dynamic with God. Where he isn't just the Lord and Savior in your Lord's Prayer, but like him actively moving and leading and taking you to places. I want to invite you into that journey. So if that's you, I want you to just stand up and receive prayer about this. That's good. If you want him to come out of the book that you hold, if you want him to come out of the Bible and be someone that is alive in your life, like the best friend, like the lover, like a daddy that loves you, If that's you, I want you to just stand up. One more thing. If you ever feel always distant from God or forgotten by God or separated from Him, which is not true, if that's you, I want you to stand up as a sign of, no, I'm always close to Him. I want you to declare that today. No, I am close to Him. I am not separated from Him. Jesus made the way so that I could be one with him. If you want to renounce the lie that I'm always far away from him, he doesn't care about me, I want you to stand up. Yeah. One last thing. If you feel like, man, I'm just confused. I don't know how to go about this Christianity thing. If that's you, I just don't know what to pray. I don't even know how to even pursue this intimacy, dynamic walk, whatever. If you're just confused, I want you to also stand up. We'll pray for you.